Good morning, a very warm welcome to every one of you. Indeed, it's a great joy that we could worship God this morning and celebrate the goodness of God. I'm sure that you've been enjoying the presence of God in your home. Now let's go on to the word of God and let's study the scriptures together. Are you ready? Would you pick up your Bible, a notebook and a pen and let's go into God's word. Today we're going to be reading and studying from the prophecy of Jonah, the book of Jonah. It's very interesting to note that the book of Jonah uh, found among the prophetic books and Jonah himself as a prophet. Um, it's very interesting that the word of prophecy is just one single sentence in the whole book of Jonah. This one book is very unique among the prophetic books where it is just about the prophet himself and not so much about the prophecy. It does involve the prophecy, but it's very much centered around the prophet, which is totally different from the rest of the prophetic books that we've been studying and the ones we will continue to study as well. Now, looking at Jonah's life, we all know the story of Jonah. If you are familiar with the Bible, if you've been to a Sunday school or a VBS class or sat in any church service, I'm sure you know Jonah's story. So we're not going to go back to read the story uh, just to learn about the story, but we're going to look at what is happening here. What is God doing in this place? And that's what we are keen to look at. And before we dive into that, let's pray. Lord, we pray that you will speak to us. Spirit of God, we pray that you will enlighten our hearts and our understanding to know, Lord, your heart for the people and what you have in store for us this morning. We thank you. We praise you. Let your name alone be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To title this morning's message, I call it, When God Leaves Us for Ourselves. When God Leaves Us for Ourselves. The whole story of Jonah simply can be summarized in this one sentence. See what the best of men are when God leaves them to themselves. See what the best of men are when God leaves them to themselves. That's exactly what is the story of Jonah. Firstly, we see that he messes up. And when God leaves us to ourselves, in other words, what does that mean? Is that God gives us the freedom of choice. God has given us the freedom to choose what we want to do and what we don't want to do. He is sovereign, but he has given us the free will to make our own choices and has given us the word of God to know the consequences of the choices that we make, to learn the principles of life. And if we learn them right and we live by them, we will see good and we will see God's blessing upon our lives. And so when God leaves the best of us to ourselves, number one, very often what happens as it happened to Jonah was we mess up. In Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, we read, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God is calling Jonah to go and prophesy to this great city of Nineveh to preach against it because the sin 
of uh, Assyria has come up before the Lord and Nineveh was a capital city of uh, uh, Assyria and uh, that has caused God to send a prophet that has uh, you know called uh, you know laid upon Jonah calling to go into the city of Nineveh and prophesy there to preach a message of repentance so that they will turn away from their wickedness. But the Bible says that Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tashish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tashish to flee from the Lord. Literally, knowingly, with understanding, as a preconceived decision, Jonah heads out to Tashish away from Nineveh. Because he did not want to do what God wanted him to do. And that's what very often, that's what happens. We are very familiar with who God is and what he's speaking and what he's doing and what he wants us to do. And sometimes when we are left by ourselves, we make, the, we make our own choices. And many of, many of the times, the decisions we make are very poor decisions. And sometimes we do things that don't please God, that are contrary to the will of God. It happens in our own personal lives. It happens for us as a whole family. Sometimes we come together and take certain decisions that really don't align with God's word or his will. And uh, here Jonah was fleeing from the Lord. He did not want to go to Nineveh and um, you know, prophesy. It is very evident in the book of Jonah that Jonah was angry with God's mercy, offer of mercy and a message of uh, call to repentance to Nineveh because he knew that if he preached that and Nineveh will repent and if Nineveh repents, God will relent from sending calamity and Jonah did not want that. Jonah was unhappy with what God was doing uh, you know, for Nineveh and so Jonah was fleeing from the Lord. And that's what happens. Number one, we mess up. That's what we read here uh, in, uh, from the life of Jonah, that we mess up like Jonah messed up. We do things by ourselves, and when we are left to do things by ourselves, we mess up. Number two, you find uh, Jonah, that Jonah was on the ship, and, and when Jonah was on the ship and there's a storm, and uh, the men who are on board, they are casting lots and seeing, uh, you know, who's the cause for this kind of a storm. And as they are uh, fearing for their lives, uh, uh, the Lord falls on Jonah and they find Jonah in the lower deck sleeping and fast asleep. And uh, they wake him up and say, what did you do? And why is a storm come about? Uh, because Jonah had already told them when he boarded the ship that he was fleeing from the Lord and he was a prophet of the Lord. And so he was, uh, th these men who did not know the God of Israel were asking Jonah, tell us who you are. And Jonah says, I am a Hebrew. I am a prophet. God told me to go to Nineveh and prophesy. I am disobeying God. You know, Jonah knew that he was disobeying God. Jonah knew that he was doing something that would not please God. And he was going away from God. And what, the, the question they ask is, uh, tell us what should we do if we should calm the storm? How can we appease your God? And uh, what will make him to calm the storm? And these uh, men, as they press into Jonah and ask him, Jonah simply says, throw me overboard. While they were trying to lighten the ship by throwing out of their provisions and their things and all of that, but still nothing helped. Uh, and the ship was going to break and they knew that they were going to lose their lives in the middle of the sea. And 
Jonah comes about and says, uh, throw me overboard, throw me overboard. And that's number two. Jonah in you must be thrown overboard. When we are left by ourselves, we come to face you know, the consequences of our own actions and we are faced with storms. Sometimes it's not just a test of our faith. The, the, the storms of our life sometimes is a result of our own wrong actions. And we, we struggle through life because we are suffering the consequences of our own actions. We can be blaming the devil. We can be blaming somebody else. We can be saying, oh, that's because of the, you know, my husband, that's my wife, that's because of my son, my daughter, my father, my mother, my grandfather. It's because of all the other people, you know, who made their mistakes. But sometimes we never, you know, realize that we made a mistake somewhere and we have been found wanting and that's why the storms of life are raging against us. So what must be done when we are left by ourselves in a time like this is that the Jonah in you must be thrown overboard. And let's read Jonah chapter 1 verses 8 to 12. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What, what is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they, saw, and they asked, What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault, that this great storm has come upon you. So the, he is very clear. He says, uh, I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And he says, he gives a remedy also. He knows what will come the storm. You see, that's how it is. Sometimes we know what is right. We know where we've gone wrong, where we've messed up. We also know what is a remedy to fix the wrong and to calm the storm. It's amazing. You know, and he says, um, uh, what, when they ask, what should we do to make the sea calm down for you? He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. Pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. And so what we need to do is to find the Jonah in us and throw the Jonah overboard. <laughs> That's what we need to do. There is a Jonah inside of every one of us. There is a Jonah of rebellion. There is a Jonah of unbelief. There is a Jonah of uh, a hardness of heart. There is a Jonah of anger. There is a Jonah of stiff-neckedness. There is a Jonah which, which is filled with sin. There is a Jonah who knows what is right and wrong but still has chosen to do what is wrong. There is a Jonah who is facing the storm. There is a Jonah who is facing the raging sea. There is a Jonah who is you know, being confronted by those who don't believe. Sometimes the preachers, the professors of faith, the professors of religion, the professors of God are confronted by those who don't profess God and those who do not profess religion or those who don't have faith. Our actions come take us to a place where even those who do not profess God and believe in God come to a place where they come to confront us because our actions have drawn them, drawn an attention to who we are and what we have done. 
and we know the remedy for that and so the Jonah in us must be thrown overboard when the Jonah in us is thrown overboard the sea the storm will come down sometimes you are constantly holding on to that Jonah and you're trying to feel safe being on that boat and thinking that somehow the star storm will come and you probably are asking for others to pray you're probably are thinking that you know nothing can be done but i want you to know this morning that if you would get the jonah in you off board and throw it into the sea you will find the sea calm down you will find the storms calm down you will find situations change you will find a remedy for your problems in life you will find god intervening you will find god you know coming to your rescue Hallelujah. And that is the most important thing that we need to be focusing on. Let's also go on to read verses 15 and 16. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. at this the men greatly feared the lord and they offered a sacrifice to the lord and made vows to him the faith the fear of god which a prophet did not have these men began began to have they they there was something that got stirred up in their heart they began to understand that there is a god in heaven they began to understand that this prophet of god by his uh, you know wrong actions uh, has incurred the wrath of god and all of this has actually brought in a new fear of god among the heathen but the prophet of god still continues to you know be stiff necked even in chapter 3 and 4 you find that jonah is still angry with god he's still upset he's still unhappy that god is being merciful to nineveh The point is uh, the most important thing that you need to understand right now is that the Jonah in you and in me has to be thrown overboard. Hallelujah. What is the Jonah that is within you? What kind of a Jonah is within you? Maybe it is anger, maybe it is hatred, maybe it is pride, maybe it is uh, you know uh, stiff-neckedness, maybe it is saying I will not do what you ask me to do. Maybe it is a, a, a spirit that says uh, you know I I know what is right I know what uh, you know God wants me to do I know what is in the Bible I don't I know what I'm doing is not right I know that is I'm going against my conscience but I do not care I want to do what I want to do that is probably the Jonah that is within you I want to do it my way I want to get it my way I want to you know I want people to see who I am I want to prove myself I want to make a point to somebody maybe there are things that is within you there are there are wrong attitudes and wrong behavior that is within you which is the jona that is within you and that has to be taken and thrown overboard hallelujah amen when god leaves us to ourselves even the best of men are found to be messing up their lives and they have a jonah who needs to be thrown overboard number 3 what happens next in jonah chapter 1 in verse 17 let's read now the lord provided a huge fish to swallow jonah and jonah was in the belly of the fish 3 days and 3 nights so the lord provided a huge fish to swallow jonah and jonah was in the belly of the fish 3 days and 3 nights you see number 3 this is what i call it as 
preserved because you are reserved even though you are messed up even though the jonah in you you know needs to be thrown overboard and when the jonah in you gets thrown overboard into that storm into the sea and you say i give up at some point when you say you can't fight this battle anymore you can't resist god anymore you can't be rebellious anymore you can't be displeasing you can't carry a bad attitude you can't be angry you can't be hateful anymore you can't be impatient anymore when you realize that i have to give up on all of these things and you throw yourself into that storm and you do not know what's going to happen and you surrender your all to God and you say God I give up I fall at your feet I cannot do this by myself I can't raise fight this raging storm by myself and when you throw yourself you know into God's hands you know your life is preserved because you are reserved hallelujah you are preserved because you are reserved for a purpose because god has chosen you for a purpose god has not given up on you as much as he is not given up on ninave as much as he is not given up on what you don't like uh, you know he has also not given up on you hallelujah amen hallelujah preaching to ninave and calling ninave to repentance was something that jonah did not want to do it was a ministry he was called to do which he which he did not like which was not a very happy thing that he in his heart in his mind in his logic it did not go well he somewhere felt that god was not right for him and so he was resisting god but in the midst of that when he was left by himself uh, you know he was he threw himself he, he it was almost suicidal it was almost like to say let me die i don't i, I can escape from you know going to nineveh and i can also save these sailors and i don't want to live anymore god is confronting me one after the other he sends me to nineveh he tells me what i don't like to do and now you know he's confronting me with this storm and i can't face this also so let me give up on my life i hate to live and so let me throw myself into the sea and he gave himself up but even though he did that when the jonah was thrown into the sea god preserved his life because he was reserved for that purpose god provided a huge fish to swallow jonah and jonah was in the belly of the fish 3 days and 3 nights how did this jonah survive in the belly of a huge fish probably it was a whale or a shark or we don't know what kind of thing for for, for a fish to have such a big stomach where a man of a you know grown up adult man like jonah could you know be lodged in oh what a messy place it would have been in the middle in the in the belly of the fish but one thing i know what god did for that fish you know what he did he caused that fish to have indigestion you know what happens when you have an indigestion you ate some food probably you had some food poisoning you know for 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 that fish this jonah was not the right kind of seafood that he that fish could have it, it and so the fish had indigestion and because that fish had indigestion jonah survived if the fish had good digestive system and if it was functioning well jonah would have been digested and by now jonah would have come out on the back side <laughs> jo the, the the fish had a bad stomach praise god the fish had a bad stomach and so jonah was did not get digested but the fish had such a bad stomach that did you know it also had vomiting also you know when you have a bad stomach sometimes you know you go and vomit and then you feel feel better that's what happened to the fish 
God had to make the fish get have an indigestion to save Jonah's life. <laughs> he just did not even prepare a fish alone, but he also made the fish have an indigestion. <laughs> and and made the fish to have vomiting so that the fish vomited him on the you know on the third day hallelujah he was preserved because his life was preserved you find mercy in the middle of all your misdeeds and jonah by this miraculous preservation was made a type of christ as our blessed lord himself described in matthew's gospel chapter 12 and verse 40 In Matthew 12:40 Jesus says like uh, you know Jonah was in the belly of the fish for 3 days and 3 nights the son of man Oh Jonah becomes a type of Christ going into the belly of the fish for the sake of the salvation of the lost for the sake of the salvation of both Jonah himself and and for the gentiles to whom he was going to preach Jonah went through the darkest night nights of his life in the belly of a fish the acids in the stomach would have you know tormented jona it would have been so much like almost like hell that jona went through but you probably going through hell because you surrendered to god and you say after i surrendered to god after i said lord i'm sorry after i took baptism after i repented of my sins after i came to church after i accepted jesus my problems have increased just the point is that you know god is continuing to preserve your life through all of this and the, the thing that you did was to give your life to jesus to take baptism or you repented for your sins and you got born again and you came and now you probably have uh, uh, realized that i have many things that i need to deal with concerning my life and you you continuing to repent of your sins you're continuing to change uh, you're continuing to ask god lord deliver me from anger deliver me from you know hatred deliver me from patience you know impatience deliver me from you know a bad attitude probably you're asking for all this and you con- constantly you know asking god to change and you are you know crawling on your way out of many of those bad habits and practices in your life and you still find yourself with a storm and in the storm you seem to be bound in the belly of a fish but you know what i want you to know while you are left by yourself god is preserving your life because he has reserved you to do a task that he has called you to do because he has a purpose for your life because he wants you to live he wants you to come out of the fish he wants you to come out of the belly of the fish he wants you to come out of the pain and the suffering and he wants he has a good purpose a good plan concerning you he wants to do things through your life and he has got something bigger and far greater and you the thing that you thought that was something that was making you unhappy is the same thing that god can turn around for your good and for your purpose And so hang in there. You are realized this morning that you've been preserved. Maybe it feels like you've been contained in that belly of the fish for a long time. Probably the night seemed to be so long that it feels like eternity and through, you know, all through your life it looks like you've been, you know, cut off and you've been, you know, bound. But I want you to know that you've been preserved because you have been reserved for a purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah God sees a greater purpose in you God sees the bigger picture God sees the bigger plan he has a blueprint of your life in the palm of your hands your your life is inscribed in the palm of his hands and no man can pluck you out of his hands no man no devil from hell can stop the plan of God from being fulfilled in your life 
and so i want to encourage you brother sister this morning that god is preserving you because he has reserved you for a purpose and the purpose is not fully yet accomplished and so he has kept breath in your nostrils even this morning and so when god leaves us to ourselves even the best of men when they are left to themselves they mess up their life and while they mess up their life they they come to a place where you know the consequences of their sins confront them and the jonah in you needs to be thrown overboard and when that happens probably it feels like you've gone from bad to worse but you're still continuing to be preserved because you're reserved for a greater purpose and what happens next number 4 jonah begins to experience the benefit of affliction jonah begins to realize the benefit of affliction in jonah chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2 let's read from inside the fish jonah prayed to the lord his god he said in my distress i called to the lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead i called for help and you listened to my cry also in verse number 6 to the roots of the mountains i sank down the earth beneath the bed in me forever but you lord my god brought me brought my life up from the pit hallelujah this is the prayer of jonah from the belly of the fish it's a long prayer we're not reading the whole thing but i'm just giving you uh, just an insight into you know the heart and the kind of prayer that he was praying while he was in the middle of his affliction and you know he thought he escaped the storm but now he's in the belly of the fish but now he realizes that even though he could have drowned in the sea even though he could have lost his life or even though he could have been swallowed and be uh, dead by now but the fact that he is still alive in the belly of the fish just made him to realize that god is not done with him yet that god is still hearing his prayer that god is seeing him in his distress and right there in the belly of the fish he prays to god and he says in my distress i called to the lord and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead i call for help and you listen to my cry hallelujah hallelujah you see and then he goes on to say to the roots of the mountains i sank, sank down in verse 6 the earth beneath me barred me in forever but you lord my god brought my life up from the pit you know you begin to realize how good god is when you face troubles and when god rescues you when you face problems and then god stands by your side when you face you know crisis in your life and you understand that you couldn't be handling all this by yourself where did i get the strength and the you know help and how could i how did i survive all of this maybe you have a million questions about what's going on you don't understand you 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 know you struck down but not perished yet you know you've fallen but you've not you know you're not dead you know you you are exhausted but you're not extinguished you know you are in a place where you are you know worn out but you're not completely you know done yet hallelujah that's when you begin to realize the benefit of affliction you know he begins to understand that all of this pain is helping him to completely now come back to god come back to realization of who god is and be continue he begins to become thankful that god has protected his life that god even though he was there you know in the belly of the fish and in the bottom of the sea but the lord god brought my life up from the pit hallelujah 
Hallelujah. The faith on the Lord begins to arise. The faith and the trust on the Lord begins to increase. And it begins to become fully God dependent. It begins to rely on God. And begins to call on God. And he does not have, you know, anybody else right there. You know, he's all alone. He's in the middle of darkness day and night. Whether it's day or whether it's a night, you know, it's still darkness all around him. You know, sometimes you are left in a place where you don't know whether it's day or night, whether it's good or bad, whether what's happening, what's not happening. You, your feelings become so numb because of so much of pain that, you know, you are filled and overwhelmed with so much suffering in your life. But you begin to understand there is so much benefit in the middle of that affliction. You begin to realize he began to speak out how good God has been. You begin to become very thankful that your life has still been preserved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And verse number 10 we read, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Hallelujah. Here comes uh, the climax there. Uh, you know, in this point where, where Jonah is now being vomited in the onto dry ground. God made the fish to vomit Jonah. Hallelujah. This is what God does. God does not keep us in darkness forever. God does not keep you in suffering forever. God does not keep you, you know, in pain forever. God does not keep you in the belly of the fish forever. God does not keep you, you know, isolated forever. God does not cut you off completely forever. God's mercies are not clean gone forever. God always remembers his children. God sees the cry of our heart. When you cry out from the belly of the fish God hears you God sees your agony God sees your tears God sees your pain God sees your suffering God sees your anguish and he comes to rescue you in some way hallelujah brings you back to dry ground hallelujah makes you to see the light of the day once again hallelujah that is what God does hallelujah when we are left by ourselves, even the best of the men, when they are left by themselves, they mess up their lives. And the Jonah in them has to be thrown overboard. And yet they might still be, you know, in the place where they are filled with darkness as they have to deal with their own life. And God is bringing them to a realization. Their lives are preserved because they are reserved for a greater purpose. And fourthly, we found there is a benefit in all of this affliction also. Hallelujah. God spares his people. God does not do away with them. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that takes us to number five. You know, number five. You know, we read from Jonah chapter three and verses two to five. Jonah three verses two to five. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to, the, and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. You see, now Jonah has no other choice. God brings Jonah back into alignment to his purpose. God brings Jonah back on track. God brings Jonah back to what he has to do. Now Jonah is come to, has come to a place of surrender and he says, Lord, I can't fight you anymore. And he comes to a place of obedience. And that's what God wants from us. Now when this was happening, when Jonah was back in Nineveh and Jonah was prophesying and the 
and the only message that jonah prophesied this is the prophecy in this whole prophetic book 40 more days and nineveh will be overthrown that's just the phrase just that's just the prophecy of jonah 40 more days and nineveh will be overthrown and when the moment he began to prophesy that you know what the people did they all you know turned Uh, away from their sin from the least to the greatest they put on sackcloth they believed god a fast was proclaimed by the king and everybody man and animals all of them put sackcloth and all of them were repenting of their sins you know they were quick to repent and that's something that jonah did not want but the point is that number 5 do dare not presume but do not despair that's what i want to tell you let me explain that you see these ninevites they did not presume that they were right but at the same time when the warning of destruction came through jonah they did not despair but they turned to god they had a right attitude to the message which jonah preached but to the message that god told jonah to take and the task that jonah was supposed to do Jonah did not have a right attitude he presumed that God was wrong he did not want to do what God wanted him to do he was angry with God you see in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10 when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened this is something that jonah did not want to happen and he knew if he went and preached to nineveh this will happen why was jonah so stubborn why was jonah so angry with god why was jonah so uh, disobedient to god because nineveh as a capital city of assyria and assyria as a whole nation was a ruthless and a, a, a nation where they had war like people who were enemies of israel and nineveh's destruction would have been seen as a victory you know uh, nineveh's destruction when nineveh's destru- nineveh gets destroyed you know that would become that would be seen as a victory for israel israel you know always had problems with assyria and assyria was sent by god to to teach a lesson to israel and 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 israel was angry with nineveh and jonah was angry and jonah wanted to see the destruction of nineveh and nineveh's destruction would have been seen as a victory for israel and if jonah went and preached about nineveh's downfall you know what would have happened and as it ha- turned out to be nineveh would have repented and when nineveh repents god relents from sending calamity and that would be seen like a defeat for israel if nineveh survived and jonah did not want that jonah did not want that and so god's withholding of judgment from nineveh could have made jonah's words appear illegitimate also now if i preach that destruction is going to come and god does not send destruction then my words would become illegitimate because i would be predicting the city's destruction and destruction does not come and so he for his own name sake i should be seen as someone who did well my words came out right what i prophesied becomes full gets fulfilled and if i preach destruction and then destruction does not come then people will think that i'm you know my words does not carry any value 
and for Jonah to satisfy his own sense of justice that you know because Assyria is against Israel I want because you know I hate my enemies I want the destruction of my enemies and if God is going to be merciful on my enemies then my sense of justice where does that stand I lose my sense of justice and the justice the way I want it but God is saying no 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 just as much as you need mercy they also deserve mercy that that was a struggle that Jonah had and so Jonah was trying to presume that he could by running away from going to Nineveh he could have God's wrath come upon Nineveh he presumed and so that led him to despair when he saw God's mercy coming upon Nineveh. He was pushed to a place where he had to go and preach. And that brought God's mercy and God relented from sending calamity. And now Jonah was like pulling his hair out. Saying God is merciful to my enemies. Oh I don't want that. And so dare not presume anything. And do not despair. As a result of that. But Ninevites did not presume that God will be merciful. That God will be merciful. And they did not take the message of Jonah for granted. They were very very careful to immediately repent. To immediately put on sackcloth. And immediately from the least to the greatest. From the king himself. Everybody repented. Even though they were not worshippers of the God of Israel. They were Assyrians. Yet they listened to the voice of warning. And because of that. They did not presume. By that they did not presume that you know everything is fine. But and also at the same time when they heard that word of warning. They did not despair also. They did not go into gloom and hopelessness. But they repented believing that God will save them somehow. And that's the right attitude and the right spirit God wants. So basically when I say dare not presume but do not despair. What I mean is that Jonah was presuming that by you know, allowing God to, you know, use him to preach this message. God's mercy will come upon them. And he did not want that. And by that bad attitude, he ended up in despair. So dare not presume and do not despair. Also read with me in chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4 verses 1 to 4. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. Very wrong. And he became angry. Angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? You know, I already told you, while I was still at home, this is not I what I wanted. This is very wrong. Oh, I don't know if there's any man other than Jonah in the Bible who told God that God was wrong. <laughs> this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. This is what I wanted to stop. I wanted to stop your mercy. I wanted to see the destruction come upon Nineveh. This is what I wanted to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Yeah. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, mm. slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now Lord, Take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Oh, now Lord, you've done this. What I did not want, you've done it. 
what i did not like you've done it what i hated you've done it what i wanted to stop you've done it take away my life it's better for me to die than to live you know sometimes such anger such hatred such kind of attitude can drive a person crazy can drive a person to suicidal thoughts and say i want to die it's better i don't even live anymore and god is questioning him is it right for you to ang- be angry jonah but god said to jonah is it right for you to be angry verses 9 to 11 also and i am so angry i wish i were dead but the lord said you have been concerned about this plant though you did not tend it or make it grow it sprang it sprang up overnight and died overnight and should i not have concern for the great city of nineveh in which there are more than a two in which there are more than 120000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals so what is god asking here jonah what right do you have to be angry there are over 120000 people in this great city of nineveh of about whom i am concerned in which there are more than 120000 people who cannot tell their difference between the right hand and the left hand and also many animals i am concerned about the 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 protection it's not my will and my wish and my pleasure to destroy people i did not come to you know destroy i did not come to condemn but i came to seek and to save that which was lost that is what god was you know desiring to do for nineveh and by this you know jonah was you know facing the 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 reality of his own attitude and even though he came to a place where he had to surrender where he had to obey but he was still doing you know what was god's will and plan you know with lot of displeasure and anger with lot of displeasure and anger and that is something that god is confronting uh, jonah and 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 the point is that Jonah was you know now presuming God's nature of, that God's nature of justice is misplaced and he despaired when God was gracious to Nineveh he thought he presumed that God's God had displaced his nature of justice and uh, despaired when God was gracious to Nineveh this was the attitude of Israel towards the nations they assumed god favored them and took his grace for granted and god you know was helping israel to see that their nature you know of uh, you know presuming that god was only for themselves and god will continue to be gracious even if they went away from him even if they displeased god that god will not punish them god was helping them to realize no 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 i'm going to be gracious to those who hate you also to those you hate also sometimes we wish for the you know destruction of those we we hate we hate and we want god to hate those whom we hate we want god to punish those whom we don't like but god as much as he is gracious to us he is also gracious to them as well and he wants us to just you know keep our mouth shut when he is showing favor and grace to somebody whom we don't like maybe you don't like maybe they've done wrong to you maybe you you think that you know it's not just for them to get blessed maybe you think that you know it's no, don't presume things god will be gracious to whom he wants to be gracious god will be merciful to whom he wants to be merciful 
God will bless whom he wants to bless. God will show his favor to whom he wants to show his favor. God will provide to whom he wants to provide. Through you or without you. That's who God is. God is God. Man is man. When God leaves men to themselves, even the best of his men presume things for themselves and are left in despair. And so dare not presume when it comes to things of God. Dare not presume and do not despair. Like the Ninevites. The Ninevites had the right attitude towards God. They did not presume that God will be merciful. They did repent and they did what was right. And they heard the message and they, and they obeyed the message. And they repented and they fasted and they asked God for mercy. And God relented from sending calamity. And they did not despair when they heard that bad message. But Jonah presumed God's justice was wrong. Presumed that his word of destruction, prophecy of destruction will go illegitimate. Jonah presumed, you know, that because he hated, you know, uh, Assyria and Nineveh, he also expected God to hate them and punish them. And so that left him in despair. When you presume unnecessarily, it will leave you in despair. When you assume too much, when you think too much beyond what you need to think, when you, when you take the place of God in terms, in matters of justice and righteousness and how God deals with things and, and when you play, try to play God in your head and you want God to play things according to what goes on in your head, it leaves you in despair. So I want you to know, dare not presume so that, and do not despair. When God leaves us for ourselves, see what the best of men are. When God leaves them to themselves. See what the best of men are. When God leaves them to themselves. If we mess up. The Jonah in us must be thrown overboard. We are still preserved. Because we are reserved for a purpose. That is grace. In the middle of the storm. There is a benefit that comes out of the affliction. We become completely God dependent. We have no other way. We surrender back to God. We say, Lord, I will obey now. God gives us a second chance. That's a benefit of affliction. God gives us a second chance. God gives you a second chance. This morning, God gives you a second chance. Would you make use of the second chance? But Jonah was still not learning his lesson. So from the life of Jonah, we learn, we dare not presume so that we don't have to despair. Jonah was now saying, let me die. He was still angry. At the end of Jonah, we read, he was still angry. So we don't want to end our life with anger and bitterness. We don't want to end our life with emptiness. We don't want to end our life with suicidal thoughts. We don't want to end our life in despair. We do not end our life. We don't want to live our lives presuming things. And expecting for God to do what we want. Allow God to do what he wants. Come with a good attitude. Come with a good spirit. Come with a willing spirit. Surrender with the whole, wholeheartedness. And allow God to do what he only will do and can do. And when we humble ourselves, he has mercy. Just like he had mercy on Nineveh. He will have mercy. He will bless. He will provide. He will save. He will rescue. Your purpose in the middle of that storm, continues to remain. Allow God to work through your life. His name will be glorified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you this morning. We realize even the best of men 
when they are left by themselves, mess it up. But Father, we want to pray that the Jonah in us would be thrown overboard. And we want to realize, Lord, the benefit of affliction, where we've been given a second chance because you've been preserved as you've reserved us for a purpose. And Lord, we don't want to make the mistake of Jonah of daring to presume things and take everything in our own hands and try to control everything by ourselves. But we want to let go of everything into your hands and say, do what seems best to you, Lord. And do what seems right in your eyes, O God. And we just want to follow so that we will not have to live in despair and end our life in anger and bitterness and with a sense of suicidal thoughts. Deliver us from bad attitude and a bad spirit. Give us a right spirit and a willing spirit to obey you and follow you sincerely with a good attitude. Let your name be glorified. Help us, we pray. Help everyone who is watching right now. Help us to have a right spirit, Lord. A contrite and a broken heart you will not despise. A humble spirit you will not turn down. You resist the proud but gives grace. You give grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he will lift you up in due time, your word says. And so we want to humble ourselves and willingly obey. Where you lead us, we will follow. Where you take us, what you want us to do, we will do. Lord, we want to fully surrender. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.